the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, great to be together. I have to tell you, this is, uh, was, I had a great weekend. I had a great weekend. I hope you did too. Lots of sports with my family. My kids are playing all kinds of sports and, uh, it was the end of the year league tournaments and, uh, celebrations and it was just great. It was really fun. And my, um, my, uh, anyway, just had a great weekend. So I hope you had a good weekend too. And looking forward to be back in the saddle. Finally, we're going to talk with Christian Adams. We've tried a couple times to catch up with him. Very accomplished lawyer. Worked in the Department of uh, well, I guess he was a U.S. attorney. Worked in the in the in law enforcement or in the uh, Department of Justice in in some form, and now is on the other side out there trying to protect we the people from what's happening. Very good guy. We'll look forward to talking to him. I've heard him speak a number of times. Haven't had him on the show. And we'll catch up with our old friend Tammy Nichols, state representative from Idaho, and see what she has to say. So tune in for all that. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com proamericareport.com and stay tuned in if you um ever want to uh, get one of these interviews go back there and you can catch them up uh, we post them afterwards I, I think on tuesday maybe wednesday i'm going to have the minister of the family the ministry the family ministry in hungary the hungarian government it's a woman named katalina novak very impressive uh, young woman so i think she's got two or three children attorney also and she's the minister of the family she's going to join us from hungary we'll, i will pre-record that show uh that interview and we'll have that also now um I also want to make sure you go over to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the daily email that I send out at 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time. Go to ProAmericaReport.com, put in your email address, sign up. It's very simple. All right, let's get to it today, though. I have to say, uh, over the weekend, I had my old friend, Julie Kelly. Uh, she posted another piece over at... Um, American Greatness, AmGreatness.com. She is really doing important work. Because the January 6th hoax, the creation of the narrative machine, big tech, big media, big government, all working together, the narrative machine is trying to tell us that the January 6th was this incredible insurrection, this incredible uh, attempted coup, all this stuff. She's been the indispensable person to break this up, to stop this. And here's my, I want to tell you this. The January 6th, the desire of the narrative machine to make the January 6th, um, you know, um, protest with some, uh, with some property damage to try to make that into an insurrection. It is the keystone. It's the key. It is a keystone of something very important. And you say, well, what are you talking about, Ed? What is it? What's the key? It's the keystone to holding back scrutiny of the 2020 election. Because they want us to obsess over January 6th. We're all supposed to be focused on January 6th. Wasn't an insurrection or wasn't it? Was there murder or wasn't there? Who was planning what? Where was so-and-so? What did they think? On and on and on. When the reality is it was a massive 
march on Washington, a, a hundreds of thousands of protesters, people who wanted to express themselves, and a few hundred got a little bit out of hand, and a few thousand got escorted into the building because they didn't know that they were even trespassing. And nobody had guns. Nobody had a plan. It was, you cannot perform a coup when you cannot even envision, how would you take over? So it's, it's a crazy, crazy theory. It's a hoax, but it's done to block us from looking further back because you could say, Oh my gosh, if you go and you do it now, if you go to someone, they'll say, Oh yeah, you know, so there's that out of control. I mean, that, that insurrection. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And so it's changing the conversation. The narrative machine is desperate to change the conversation from the election. So it's very, very important that people like Julie Kelly at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, and also other writers that are over there break out us doing it here together, all of us doing it, bust the narrative, bust the narrative that is trying to fake us into stopping looking backwards. Because there's nothing to dig into. We're going to get to the bottom of the, of the January 6th. There's plenty of, of reason. If somebody broke a window, fine. If somebody, uh, was escorted into the chamber and allowed to sit down in the seats because the Capitol Police's, you know, approach was, hey, um, we don't really care. We're just going to let them in. If that's what happened, that you cannot, but here's where it gets out of hand. You, you have the media. First of all, Pelosi calls in the National Guard and makes Camp Pelosi, Fort Pelosi out of the Capitol. And that went on for a, a month and a half. That was meant to have the images be all terrifying. The images of the day, January 6th, were not terrifying. The images of barbed wire around the Capitol, terrifying. And now we have people in solitary confinement that are being held not for violent crimes, but for trespass and for disorderly conduct and for things like that. And, you know, remember Trump, when Trump was inaugurated, there was rioting on the day. There was rioting on the day they burned police cars and other cars. They, I think they arrested 400 people. All 400 were released, never charged. They might have been charged, but they were never convicted. They released them. They, they um, dismissed the charges. But what they're doing now is they're ramping up and trying to put the squeeze on people and they're trying to use big government to further their ends, which is the narrative machine. And the narrative machine is saying, oh my gosh, it was an insurrection. We must do something about it. It's very, very devious. It's very, very scary. It's really a threat to our country. And more importantly, we have to beat back the January 6th hoax because it's meant to wall off the election from scrutiny. And so we have to fight through it to get on to the important thing, which is don't tell me about a protest of a few hundred thousand people where some people broke some windows. Explain to me why the vote discrepancy in Florida or in, excuse me, in Pennsylvania or in Georgia or Florida, if there are some, I don't think there are there. I, don't, I haven't seen that, but there might be. I, I keep telling people, I don't want to be in the group that says there was only fraud, only fraud for uh, Democrats. There might've been fraud for Republicans. I didn't see it. I didn't see it, but maybe what I did see was really strange irregularities regarding the 2020 election. So Julie Kelly is doing yeoman's work. And let me tell you, the newest piece in American greatness really goes into the, the, what they're doing. They have now tried to link in the oath keepers. You know, this group, this sort of loosely grouped, uh, you know, a bunch of people, they're calling them a collection of militia. And, you know, it's like they go on and on. The prosecutor who for uh, the District of Columbia, the federal prosecutor, has these quotes where they're a large but loosely organized collection of militia who believe the federal government has been co-opted by a shadowy conspiracy. 
He goes on. First of all, there's a whole bunch of people, not just affiliated with the, the Oath Keepers, that think that there's lots of conspiracies going on. But more than 13 counts and 13 defendants. And and here's Julie Kelly's point: they don't actually have a case. So now they're falling into the trap of they're, they're trying to fall, push people into the trap of a conspiracy. And were there people talking about something else? And and if you're scared for your liberty, would you be willing to rat on somebody else to say, hey, this is what we're afraid of. This is what we're seeing. That's what you're seeing. If they're expanding the scope to try to trap more people, to try to put the people in this country into a terrible, terrible spot. And let me finish by saying this emphatically. Just like the fine people hoax in Charlottesville, just like the drinking bleach hoax, just like all the other hoaxes that they've tried to trot out. The number one, of course, was the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. Totally fraudulent behavior, totally untrue. And like all of those, the key is not to say only that they're hoaxes. That's important. It's to beat them back. It's to shatter them. We have to beat... The January 6th hoax, because if we don't, we'll never get back to the 2020 election. They will use that as the, as the excuse to keep us from the truth. So it's a necessary battle. It's also important, by the way, there's dozens and dozens, I think maybe a hundred, up to a hundred. I'm not even sure the number of people that are in solitary confinement and being helped to held in detention and all crazy stuff. But it's necessary that we beat back the January 6th I call it the key, a keystone to protecting the 2020 election is the January 6th hoax. And we have to fight through it. So find Julie Kelly on American Greatness, amgreatness.com. She's on Twitter at Julie underscore Kelly two at Julie underscore Kelly two. tweet it, further it, push it out, help us break the hoax together. We have to do it. We have to do it. To keep the, if we don't do it, honestly, if they win on this one, it's, it's a little bit like the Russia hoax. It took them a long time to get it beaten back and they finally lost. It became too clear that it was a lie. We have to do it. All right. We got to take a break right now, though. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Everybody knows the last couple of weeks I've been talking about Christian Adams and his good work. He is the president and general counsel of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pardon me. He's also been out there really uh, talking. You know, I, I, I've told my listeners, Christian, that the information uh, battle is is not it's not only about the truth. It's about communicating what's going on. And so uh, Jay Christian Adams, he's a New York Times bestselling author. He served in the Department of Justice. He's uh, been on on the other side of the aisle, uh, helping uh, citizens in election cases. And he is a South Carolina boy uh, and is a member of the bar down there as well as up in Virginia. And uh, he is writing all over also. I was looking at a piece that he wrote in the Washington Examiner about 10 days ago about the abuse of power by Biden's Justice Department. Justice Department Let the, let the Arizona, con- let Arizona conduct its own audit. So first of all, welcome uh, Christian Adams to the program. How are you today, sir? Great. Thank you for having me, Ed. Well, it's great to have you. And let me say this. Um, the, the thing that's interesting right now is most people don't even notice because the media doesn't cover it that the Biden administration is weighing in on these things, right? It's not just Mark Elias and the Democrats on the left who've raced lawyers out to Arizona. It is the Department of Justice. Tell me the power of a politicized DOJ against audits, against, uh, election transparency. 
Right. I used to work in the voting section at the Justice Department, and they have a lot of laws in their arsenal. And one of them they're using against Arizona, which is a an informational freeze law. And they're also using a voter intimidation law. Let's talk about the information. They're telling Arizona they you have to keep you have to keep election records for 22 months under federal law. Right. And they're saying, hey, you've given this to other people, so you're breaking the law. That's not true. And secondly, voter intimidation. I brought the new Black Panther case. Uh, I brought other voter intimidation cases. And the notion that doing an audit intimidates voters is a fantasy. But that's who these people are. They use the power of government to intimidate states. Well, and and uh, and and laughably, there was an argument. They were saying, oh, we're concerned that the audit's not transparent enough. And everybody and their brother is saying the election wasn't transparent enough. I mean, so but I guess, you know, again, your experience in the law as well as in sort of politics with a small P hypocrisy doesn't matter to these people. They just are trying to, 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 to hold the line. What's the likelihood that Arizona's audit will? I mean, you know, I often tell people in politics, even in the law, don't look for knockout punches. Things tend to yeah. happen with, you know, a thousand cuts and, and gives gives more context to what's happened than necessarily. Ah, there's the smoking gun. What, what, what do you think is going to come out of uh, Arizona? You know, you put that great. I've tried to explain that to people over and over. There's no silver bullet. I like knockout punches better. There's no such thing. It's all, you know, the left plays a long game. They do incremental things. They're content with like a, a quarter of a victory. And and that's exactly, I think you have to temper your expectations in Arizona. We're going to learn things uh, about how to improve elections. What we're not going to see is suddenly a new president in the White House. So if, if that's what you think is going to happen, you have to have realistic expectations. But we're going to learn how to make elections better. You know, these guys say they're the party of science. Well, you know, an audit is sort of like an examination, and, and we're going to find out what, the health of the election. We're talking with uh, Christian Adams, and among other things, uh, that Christian Adams is currently on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. So um, that's got to be interesting. I mean, it has to be uh, in a world where civil, right, civil rights, I mean, we used to have a sense of what civil rights was. I mean, we used to have a sense that, say, the ACLU would be on the side of civil liberties. Now they're a partisan, maybe they always were a partisan puncher, but they used to at least sort of punch directionally towards uh, civil liberties the way they saw it. Um, what's it like to be on the Commission on Civil Rights right now in this time period? Well, that's a great question. We have a new chair, chairwoman, uh, Norma Cantu from, from Texas. And one of the things happening in the country is we have stopped focusing on the content of people's character, and everyone wants us now to focus on the color of their skin, which is exactly the opposite of what the whole civil rights movement was about. Of course, I wrote a whole bloody book about this. And it's, it's right. this racialization, the, these people who want to make skin color what should give people privilege. And I mean, I thought we left that 60 years ago, uh, but they're all back. You know, everything old is new again. We're talking with uh, Jay Christian Adams, by the way, he mentioned his book, a New York Times bestseller. It's called Injustice, Exposing the Racial Agenda of the Obama Justice Department. Uh, talks about that record there and what went on and a New York Times bestselling author. Um, and now he serves on the uh, com uh, uh, Commission of Civil Rights for the United States. Is... Um, 
does that does that is that entity more persuasive, meaning a public body that people can hear, or or do they have any teeth? I mean, what what could they do? I mean, you know, right now we're seeing the, for example, the Biden administration is is rewriting Title IX, and and they have the ability to do a lot of rewriting of things in the Department of Education, other places. But does the Commission on Civil Rights have have anything they can really do other than uh, other than be a sort of a half a bully pulpit? Well, I will tell you, they have a lot more power than people realize. We have a large staff. We're a federal agency. You know, it's a part-time job for commissioners. This is not what I normally do. But I, the president appointed me last uh, last August, and I have a term through 2025. And we can issue big, serious reports. And we're going to do a big, serious report uh, on uh, racial disparities in maternal health care later this month, which means, you know, uh, allegedly black uh, women about to give birth can't get access to health care and white women can. And this report was done prior to my arrival, more or less, on the commission where we only had a uh, four, th- uh, three, four minority. And and so it's far along the process. We're going to be looking at Puerto Rico, for example, Ed, and how the Trump administration allegedly didn't provide food and water to Puerto Rico after a hurricane. And so it's a four, four commission now. So some of the chicanery that went on in the past can't go on. But I will tell you, these purports become the basis of congressional and state action. And uh, they have a lot more power than people realize. We're talking with uh, Christian Adams, Jay Christian Adams, who is the election lawyer. He's the uh, president and general counsel of the Public Interest Law Foundation, the best-selling author, sits on the uh, Civil Rights Commission also. He's a busy guy. Uh, and uh, so can you do minority reports there? You know, like in the old days, there would be uh, uh, the select committees or whatever in the Congress. They would sometimes you could do your own uh, minority report. Are you allowed to do that? Well, we only are sort of because we fought for the right to do it. And a year ago, before I was on the commission, there was limited ability to dissent from from these reports. And now, uh, in order to confirm a new chair, President Biden picked the new chair. We extracted a uh, number of, of bipartisan concessions so we could all work better together. And part of that is the ability to voice dissent. We didn't have that before, uh, but now we do. So when you so when they issue a ruling or this big report, you can do some kind of dis- letter dissenting. Of course, it's only it's only persuasive. But do you get your own staff up there? Like, can you hire your own staff, or do you have to use oh, commission yeah. staff? No, no, oh, you have your both. own people. I have my own staff. Uh, uh, that you're my com- you know my commission staff. But there's also you got to realize there's a whole bureaucracy that sometimes thinks they're divorced from the commission. <laughs> you know these you know career bureaucrats who, who they they think that they are the commission and they're not. The commissioners are the commission, right. and we have to fight this constantly. Um, and Christian Adams, uh, by the way, on Twitter, at Election Law Center, Center is STR if you want to follow them there, at Election Law Center. I'll put it up on social media and other places. Um, back to back to the elections. Uh, you know, uh, one man's voter suppression is another man's voter protection, right? So I ran the election board in St. Louis uh, City for, uh, in 2005 and 2006. And, you know, to me, a photo ID would be a way to make it so people believed in the city that their vote wasn't being stolen from them, you know, uh, and but somebody else calls it voter suppression. Are we just at the point where because of the media and, and, and big tech, you can't even make the argument anymore? I mean, what, the, what they call voter suppression, I see in Texas and in Georgia and other places. It's not even to be honest, it's not even that uh, it's certainly not as far as I would go if I had the ability to influence legislation. But it's characterized as Jim Crow and voter suppression. And you're just running an uphill battle. 
Well, first of all, Ed, there is no such thing as voter suppression in the law. That's a made-up term. It doesn't exist in any federal statute. There's vote denial and there's vote dilution, but there's no such thing in law called voter suppression. That's a term the left made up to blend together the illegal and legal to smear people who support things oh. like election integrity. And so understand it's just a fake term. It's Orwellian. It doesn't exist. And so anything that regulates the election, like voting in your own precinct, they call that voter suppression. And believe me, they do. That's an Arizona case before the Supreme Court right now. Uh, uh, Pre-registering the vote, that's voter suppression to them. They basically want pure democracy where you can vote on your couch with a remote. You don't have to show up. And, and that's what they want. So anything that gets in the way of that, they smear people and call it voter suppression. Um, one last uh, maybe line of questions. We're talking with Christian Adams again, and he's uh, on the Civil Rights Commission, appointed by President Trump, serves there, but also an election lawyer. When you when you look at and I'm not even saying to get draw your conclusions about 2020 election, because I think you'll be like me. I don't really know that I know enough. But can you talk about the fact that we really haven't had scrutiny of it? I mean, enough as an election lawyer, you and then I and with my experience, we could say enough of the things that shouldn't happen happened to kind of numbers looked off, timing looked off. And yet we're not allowed to take a hard look at that. I mean, I've never seen something I said earlier in the program that January 6th is that hoax. The January 6th hoax is meant to wall off a hard look at 2020. I've never seen uh, an effort to make us not look at something when something looks so off. I mean, again, I don't have proof yet, uh, but it just seems far, far more irregular than anything we've seen. Well, look, it's it's simple. Two big things happened in the election. Number one, uh, COVID allowed them to change the rules. I was involved in cases all over the country where, the, you know, the Virginia was changing the rules and saying, oh, we're going to accept ballots late with no postmark. Uh, contrary to Virginia law, and I sued Virginia, and I won. I got a judge to order a statewide injunction against the Virginia State Board of Elections from accepting late ballots. And so that's the first thing. All over the country, especially Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, they were changing the rules of the election. Second thing that happened was the big influx of Zuckerberg money and other private money to election offices to tell government officials what to do. And in Philadelphia, that paid for Spanish language radio advertisements, door to door service on mail ballots that they only voted the top of the ticket. And so a lot of the numbers can be explained by what was occurring with those two things combined, the, the COVID relaxation and changing of rules and the private money. And those two things can explain most of what happened in the 2020 election. Hmm. Well, it is. Um, maybe we'll get to the bottom of it someday. Well, listen, thank you, Christian Adams, uh, very much. Thanks for your again for your time. And especially uh, we're talking with Jay Christian Adams. We've talked with him, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, a former Justice Department attorney and currently a commissioner on the United States Commission for Civil Rights. Uh, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our old friend, uh, Tammy Nichols. She's not old, but we're old friends. We've been friends a long time. Long time friend. I think that's how you have to do this. Tammy Nichols, who is uh, in the state legislature in Idaho. Now, I think, Tammy, correct me if I'm wrong, but you brought to town here to my office and to the swamp the lieutenant governor of Idaho, who was a very impressive lady who was willing to stand up at that time and say, 
you know, cut out the wars. We don't want forever wars. This is a couple of years ago now and was willing to mm-hmm. kind of say, we've had enough. Bring our people home. We're, you know, we're happy to be patriotic servants and all, but don't drag this on. And, uh, and then she's now in the middle of the news across the country. So first of all, Tammy Nichols, welcome back, a state representative in the Idaho House of Representatives. She's at, at Nichols for Idaho. And I believe it's NicholsforIdaho.com. I'll make sure of that, but welcome back, Tammy. Tell us about your lieutenant governor, please. Yeah, thanks, Ed, for having me. Really appreciate that. Yeah, um, our lieutenant governor has made not only national but international news because of something that she did while the governor was out of the state. Um, so in Idaho, when the governor leaves the state, the lieutenant governor is then the acting governor while the governor is out of the state. And so what she did is she um, basically issued an executive order, and that was done on May 28th, to um, say that we were not doing any mask mandates for any political subdivisions or state or in the state in general. So that included like public schools. Um, and people were just, I mean, we've heard from our constituents, we've heard from people all over the state in regards to what is happening with these mask mandates. Now, our state has never issued a full mask mandate, but counties and cities have done that on their own. So she went ahead and did this. And the next day when the governor got back, he rescinded her, um, her order. <laughs> So, oh, he did. So anyway, but he did. He did. He did not leave it alone. He did not. He did not. Um, I mean, I, in my opinion, he should have just left it alone. It wasn't causing any harm. Um, it was actually doing what uh, constituents wanted and what many governors in other states have also done themselves. And so, uh, so yeah, so he went ahead and rescinded it the very next day. Now, set this up, though. It's uh, By the way, it is Nichols for Idaho, and Tammy Nichols' last name is N-I-C-H-O-L-S, Nichols for Idaho, if you want to find out, find out more about her. But it, you, have to cl- you have to clarify, people, the, Repub- the governor's Republican and the lieutenant governor's Republican. In fact, most of Idaho, is, is re- at least in terms of the statewide, is Republican, mm-hmm. Republican House and Republican Senate. There are pockets, I think, of local jurisdictions. But so the, the Republican right. governor has been ha- – is it, is it fair to say he's been, what, milquetoast in terms of – uh, defending local control yeah. or has he been actively liberal? What's the, well, give us a breakdown of this. Yeah, I would say, you know, so in Idaho, the governor and lieutenant governor do not run on the same ticket during the election. So they're on separate tickets. Right. But yes, currently both our governor and lieutenant governor are Republican in a very Republican state. And, um, and yes, but our governor, you know, for for the state of Idaho being what it is, and so many people see Idaho as this beacon of conservatism and freedom, but we tell people a lot that, you know, yes, the people in our state for the majority are very conservative or very Republican or very red, but our government is not so much. So, uh, yeah, so I would say milk toast is probably a fair description. <laughs> huh. And we would like and, to and take, is he up for- and take the lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is he up for re-election? He will be up for re-election next um, year. In fact, our lieutenant governor is uh, threw her hat in to run for the governorship. Oh, so there's now it's now a full-on primary. Now we're now we're uh, it's going. I mean, this yes, is now. Uh, is. And what, if you had to handicap it, what do you think? I think she has a great chance. Um, you know, there's 
there's there's going to be about seven people in the governor's race um, is what I'm seeing coming down. But um, I would say there's probably about three to four that might be um, serious candidates. But I think she has a great, great, um, you know, uh, lead in, do, in being able to take that. She's very liked uh, with the people in Idaho. She's done some great things. She's been very, very um, pro keeping our state open, uh, helping small businesses. I mean, our governor was saying that there was essential and non-essential, and she was saying, no, everybody's essential. Um, she's just been very, very good about and and very pro Trump. She has been on, you know, helping Trump since the get go and uh, fighting for him too. She was the one that helped initiate because our governor and our attorney general would not take the lead in having Idaho included in the Texas lawsuit in regards to elections, and right. uh, she helped take the lead on that. And we filed our own um, our own uh, friends of the court paper to be right. able to right. um, to sign on with that case. So she's done great things, amazing things, and she's a strong lady. Tell me, tell me her name. Remind me of her name. Uh, Janice McGeehan. McGeehan. That's it. McGeehan. Yes. Sorry. Uh, now, I don't want to run out of time. We're talking with Tammy Nichols. Tammy Nichols in the state legislature, state representative up in Idaho. Tell me what you all are doing. I know you've been on this critical race theory. You've been you as a mom and as well as uh, someone who cares a lot about these issues. And I should say, Tammy, before she was in uh, in the legislature, she is a longtime Phyllis Schlafly Eagle uh, leader in Idaho uh, for many years. And uh, so what's going on with critical race theory? I know Idaho's trying to lead the country and has made some great progress. Tell Walk us through that. Yeah, so that has been a concern with several of the legislators here in the state. And so what we did this last legislative session is a few things. Um, the first thing we did is we killed a bill that cut, well, we, um, that actually was uh, $6 million. It was going to be grant money that was going to go to a, um, organization in Idaho, which was under a national organization, which is the NAEYC. And, uh, and they were promoting all this critical race theory and racism and all that sort of stuff. So we were able to kill, uh, this grant for hmm. $6 million. Wow. So that was really, That's really good. good. The other thing that we did is we cut two and a half million dollars from our university's budget. And we have seen what has taken place in our universities and what has transpired with that. And so we were able to kill the first version of, of the university's budget. And then they actually put a line item into the, um, the, uh, fiscal note saying that this cut was because of, it was a social justice rejection line item. And so it was two and a half million dollars that we took wow. away from the universities. The other thing is our lieutenant governor has actually created a task force to address critical race theory in our state. And so she's put together a committee of people from all over the state with various backgrounds to really look into what's happening with critical race theory. And so I think that will be a great, great asset to our state and to be able to really um, see what's transpiring within our education system here in Idaho. Um, but well, And then we also... Uh-huh, go ahead. No, no. Well, I, I wanted to ask you, who's pushing it? Like, who's pushing it? Is it the teachers unions? Even in Idaho, are the teachers unions so liberal? I mean, who, who, who? It feels like Idaho would be like, don't do this here, and people would stop. I mean, who's pushing it? Right. So what we're seeing is the National Association for the Education of Young Children, which is the NAEYC, actually has right. um, umbrella chapters within each state. So Idaho has one. It's the IDAEYC. 
And so they are um, officially, un- they have memberships with the national organization. And so like this grant for $6 million, only 1 million of it was actually going to be going within our state. The rest was going to be going to this national organization who pushes all this stuff. And so we're seeing that driven by these national associations, by the teachers union, um, you know, and so on and so on. And so that's where that drive's coming, it seems like. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Did you have one more point? I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. No, you're fine. And so, yeah, so we had those, those three things that we've been doing to really, you know, try to make sure that we're, we're creating, um, a, a set here in Idaho to take the lead on some of this stuff. The other thing we've done is we passed another house bill that had to do with, um, that no coercion of beliefs can be pushed in the education system. And so you cannot, uh, force a student to have to say that they are a, a white supremacist or, or they have to buy into white, you know, in racism or anything along those lines. And so that's another thing that we did is, is to, um, we passed the bill to be able to create that protection of not only our students, but of teachers and, and so on and so on. Um, but the main things that people need to do right now in their states in order to address this is to look at what national organizations their state has, has memberships in or supporting. And then we really, really feel that, you know, it's going to take cuts in funding, that they have to push back on the federal money and they have to uh, restrict the teaching of the propaganda within their states to to combat uh, critical race theory. It it is a real challenge. I'm out of time. Uh, Tammy Nichols, thank you. As always, it's so important what you're doing. So thank you for doing it. And especially I'm excited about your lieutenant governor. That's very cool. So, all right, we've got to run, though. Uh, We'll take a break, everybody, and be right back. I'll put all this up on social media so you can track down more of what Tammy Nichols is doing up in Idaho and do it in other states. Take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Unjust trials have consequences, just like stolen elections. The negative effects of an unjust trial can extend long after the verdict is reached. The George Floyd Act, being pushed by Democrats in Congress, would subject police and Border Patrol agents to an increased risk of an unjust prosecution. This reactionary attack on law enforcement would impose a whopping 10-year prison sentence on our Border Patrol if they're convicted of recklessly causing bodily harm to illegal aliens. Only in the halls of Congress could Border Patrol agents be considered a greater threat to illegal aliens than the drug cartels that are smuggling the aliens, sexually assaulting the aliens, and sometimes leaving them to die in the desert. At present, federal law enforcement officers can be prosecuted and imprisoned for willfully harming people in the execution of their duties. I think few people would disagree that such accountability measures are a good thing. However, the George Floyd Act would allow an officer to be imprisoned not just for willfully causing harm, but even for recklessly causing harm. This lower standard makes the legal waters far murkier. Law enforcement officers have to make split-second life-and-death decisions to protect themselves and the public. Why should a liberal judge sitting comfortably in a courtroom tell an officer that his well-intentioned actions to protect life are reckless? This terrible legislation would also eliminate qualified immunity for local police, which is essential to prevent the looting of towns by liberal lawsuits. Minneapolis is forcing its taxpayers to pay $27 million to George Floyd's family. That kind of money would bankrupt most towns. 
If more criminals are empowered to sue the police, the result will be an end to effective law enforcement. Every use of force will become a potential prosecution of the officer and a potential lawsuit against the town. Instead of seeing cheesy commercials saying you could be entitled to a settlement if you're ever around asbestos, you'll be seeing commercials promising settlements if the police ever tased you while you were resisting arrest. That kind of society is bad for taxpayers, bad for law enforcement officers, and bad for the victims who count on heroes to save the day. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The lines have been drawn, those who support law and order and those who don't. Of course, criminals who burn cities and loot businesses want to defund the police. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles a plan to keep the streets of America safe. Go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Wrapping things up, I want to tell you about an upcoming event. It's coming up next weekend up in Wisconsin. So I don't expect many people are going to go to Wisconsin. Uh, but if you are um, planning to go, uh, want somewhere to go uh, on a trip real quick, or if you want to um, also go ahead and um, and find out exactly where you can watch it virtually, uh, it will be an extraordinary gathering. Again, America's greatest entrepreneur and uh, I mean, he's just an amazing guy. Uh, he is going, his name is Mike Lindell, as you know, and he's having a rally on June 12th and the rally is at 1130 Central Time. So 930 in the morning, Pacific time, 1230 in the, in the afternoon, East Coast time. And if you go right now, you can go out, search for MAGA Frank. It's called the MAGA Frank Rally. And you go to MAGA Frank and you can uh, find out. It's going to be about three or four hours long. Mike Lindell, it's a rally for free speech. It's a rally for the truth. It's called the MAGA Frank Rally, Wisconsin 2021. And frankspeech.com, frankspeech.com, you can find out more. Mike Lindell and his friends, it'll be about almost three hours long. Uh, Mike Lindell, Diamond and Silk, Charlie Kirk, Chris Cox, Dinesh D'Souza, Sheriff Clark, President Trump is going to live stream in. The point here is more voices for speech. We have to get the word out. More voices for speech. We have to get the word out. We have to continue to push out into the into the sphere. And you know, people have asked me about Frank's speech. I was there when it uh, when it kicked off. You know, I was in uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, with uh, with uh, Mike Lindell and General Flynn and a few others. And um, he is an extraordinary fighter. He's been he's attacked the whole time, by the way. He's absolutely being attacked and savaged uh, by frankspeech.com. If you go to frankspeech.com, you can sign up. But his initial platform, they attacked the servers. They attacked the software. He's had to constantly fight it off. And if you see even in the picture on the flyer, which I'll put up on social media, he he never stops smiling. He never stops smiling. Mike Lindell is just, he's a happiest warrior. I mean, I, we pride ourselves on being happy warriors. The Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, that's what we believe in. Uh, and what I do, you know, happy warrior, no matter what, you, we're, we're in a great place. So things are incredibly good in this country, but Mike Lindell takes it to a new level. Even when his website is attacked, even when he's on his heels in terms of the, the, uh, the, the, the spamware and all this kind of stuff, he's still charging ahead. He's still charging ahead. So, uh, check it out. Go to, uh, frankspeech.com frankspeech.com it's this coming saturday june 12th and starts at 9 30 pacific time 
11.30 Central Time. It's up in Wisconsin, so that's the time, that's the time zone it's in. 12.30 on the East Coast. And just get signed up. You don't, if you want to go, you should go. That'd be great to go. But you don't need to go. You can watch it virtually. And I said, Donald Trump will be making a virtual appearance. And also Mike Lindell and, uh, and many others will be there. So you want to check that out. And here's the thing. We have to keep banding together. We cannot let the momentum go. And so when it comes to something like this, you can make a, um, you can make a difference just by signing up to be a part of it virtually and get, let other people know. It is, um, it is really important to do. And I'm looking right now to make sure. Yeah. June 12th. I got the, I got the date. I mean, I knew the date, but I got the times right too. So frankspeech.com, you can sign up there and get yourself uh, in the loop. Let me uh, say one more thing about this. There's a whole bunch of providers, a whole bunch of people that are out into that space now. We haven't talked much about how, um, Twitter is silencing the president of Nigeria. Then when the Nigerian president silences Twitter in his country, uh, Twitter says, you don't have any right to silence people. Oh, what? We're the only one that can silence people? Remember what I said at the beginning of the program? Donald Trump got thrown off of Twitter and Facebook. Why? Because of the January 6th hoax. Frank, uh, Facebook announced last week that they are going to continue to suspend Donald Trump through the, pre- the 2022 interim election. That's political manipulation right there, clear as day. They're going to keep him on the sidelines in an election cycle until after the election's over. Why? Because of the January 6th hoax. They say he was promoting violence. It's a lie. They're lying. They're lying. They're dishonest and dishonorable. And yet they're going to do it. And we're sitting back saying to each other, oh, well, what are we going to do? Well, frankspeech.com is Mike Lindell's effort ongoing to get into the middle of the fray and try to protect our free speech. You should... Commit to working with frankspeech.com, CloudHub, any of the parlor, Gab, I'm on all of them. We need more free speech, not less, much more, much more. So find your way into that fray, please, and do not uh, yield. Do not think that it's solved. Do not think that we're going away. We have to keep fighting for it. It's a huge, huge deal, all right? Um, so frankspeech.com, the MAGA rally coming up uh, June 12th. Uh, eight, excuse me, 1130 central time. So 930 on the West coast, 1230 PM on the East coast. You can tune in virtually. President Trump will appear, uh, a diamond and silk, a whole bunch of other speakers. It'll be important stuff. So check that out. All right. Thank you as always for listening. Let me remind you, visit proamericareport.com, proamericareport.com. Sign up for the daily email there, but also you can uh, listen to all these interviews. We put standalone links and you can track them all down there. Also, thank you as always to our great technical director and he's kind of a co-host now he's on all the time noah dingley and also joanna for booking our guests if you have ideas on guests or others please uh, give me a ring uh, and let me know um you can text me or otherwise if you have guest recommendations we're always welcome to do that so uh we will um, be back tomorrow thank you for listening ed martin here on the pro america report talk to you tomorrow this is the pro america report on the answer san diego